Hello and welcome to The Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. All right, welcome to this session on carrying the message. My name is this is uh, my name is Dennis, and I am a grateful recovering sexaholic. I'll be faci- I am Dave mainly will be facilitating this session. I am joined by Dave T, the String Man. Each of us will share our recovery on this topic. We will take time to answer questions. Questions will be taken from the Ask It basket. If you wish to participate, write your questions on a three by five card and place it in the basket or right in front of Dave. In the spirit of the fifth tradition to carry the message, which is why we're here, this is a recorded session. The recording equipment will not be turned off during the session. We ask that you please silence all cell phones now. Let's open with a serenity prayer. Prayer. God, grant us the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. I will not mind be done. The essay purpose. Sexholics Anonymous is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength, and hope with each other that they may solve their common problem and help others to recover. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop lusting and become sexually sober. There are no dues or fees for SA membership. We are self-supporting through our own contributions. SA is not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organization, or institution does not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorses nor opposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sexually sober and help others to achieve sexual sobriety. All right. So at this time, Dave, do you want to give us? All right. I'm Dave. Dave T. I'm happy to be a sexaholic. I've been sober 10,000 642 days, one day at a time. And every day has been better than my best day acting out. And I want to share that. I am so excited about recovery. I am so excited about the miracles in my life. I am so excited of what I keep discovering. When I first came into the program, I thought, I'm hanging on by my fingernails and it's never going to get better than this. And it got better than this. And at the end of my first year, it was... It can't get any better than this. And at the end of my second year, it was, it can't get any better than this. And why don't they ask me to speak up at the speaker? Because I know everything now. (laughs) And then three years, and I knew less, and four years, I knew less. (laughs) But you know what? 
everything I needed to know about the program. Now, I've been a delegate, I've been a regional person, I've been a trustee, I've been just about everything. But everything I needed to know about recovery, I learned in my first month. There are no secret handshakes. There are no, the delegates, the trustees, don't have any abracadabras. Get a sponsor, work the steps, don't act out, find a higher power that works, at least for, this, for the program. Don't act out, get a sponsor, make phone calls, carry the literature. This book is 10,642 days old, at least. That's how long I've had it. And it's been to about 45 countries. It's got so many miles on it because I carry it with me. When I go to a meeting, I carry my book. This is my armor. I want to be able to look through it again and again and again and read it and mark things up. I don't want somebody to hand me a paper and say, would you please read the problem? And would you read? I want to follow it in my book. Okay. That's enough of that commercial. <laughs> I, I love recovery. I love the fact that when somebody says, I want to talk to you later, I say, okay, well, how about now? I've got time. Not, oh, my God, what do they know? <laughs> when the phone rings and I see who it is, I don't go, and my stomach doesn't churn. When somebody looks at me like, It doesn't bother me. Hmm. I heard about you. <laughs> you know, what we say here, let us stay here unless you're the string man or somebody and then it doesn't stay there. Uh, I love it so much and I want to share it. And I have been so fortunate to be able to share around the world I have shared the SA story, my story, in about 35 countries. Last year, I did workshops in Spain, Ireland, Slovenia. I couldn't fly from Spain to Slovenia, so they said, well, just fly to Venice and we'll send a car to pick you up. <laughs> Italy, Lithuania, Slovakia, Poland, Ukraine, Hungary. <sighs> to tell my story. To tell people <laughs> I had sex outside my species. <laughs> and they go, yeah, I understand.
Because my past is the greatest gift I have. If I am in fit spiritual condition, as it says in the AA Blue Book, my past is the best gift I have. And I can go any place and share what I've done and how, I, how my life has been. And people go, oh, yeah, uh-huh, yeah. Oh, see, I didn't even turn it on. Uh, <laughs> Uh, it doesn't matter what country, it doesn't matter what language. Yeah. Yeah. I have cousins all over the place. I don't need a wish list because my higher power knows me so well. He knows what I like. He knows I want to stay in people's homes, eat real food, go to their favorite places. Not the tourist places, but their favorite places. Oh, well, mine's a park off in, you know, outside of Brisbane, and it's probably burned up now, but it, it's got wild grasses and, and things. And I go, and there's a cockatoo up on top of a great white cockatoo. And then we're walking and we're walking out of the park and I look at this massive gum tree and halfway up there's a hole with a cockatoo coming out of its nest. And I said to the guy I'm with, "Wow! I've never seen that." And he says, "I haven't either." <laughs> I have eyes to see that stuff now. And I feel so selfish because I'm getting the very best stuff in the country for free. Mm -hmm. It doesn't cost me anything. They're paying my airfare from here to there or my bus. Or they're sending the car to pick me up. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not getting any pay. And on some of these, I pay my ticket to Europe, and they take up care of the rest. And then I've got all, I tell people I don't need any more sponsees. I've already got 129 sponsees that I, yeah, 129. Do you want to know how many call me? Five. Uh, but I tell people I'd be happy to be your uncle. I get messages, hi, Uncle Dave, this is so-and-so in, in Milan or so-and-so in, you know. Oh. They're family, nieces, nephews, cousins, brothers. Oh. And... They give up their bed for me. In Dominican Republic, they gave me the best. You know, for supper one night, we had oatmeal. Because that's what they had. But it was the best oatmeal I've ever had. Now, goat head is okay. <laughs> I was glad two people got the eyes before I did. Uh, 
We're all the same. And people are hurting so bad, and they have had no hope until now. And they have hope. Now, all of them don't stick, they don't all take it, but we're offering it. And we're planting seeds. My father said you can count the seeds in an apple, but you can't count the apples in a seed. I'm planting seeds. I don't know if they're going to grow. He also said, you know, if you plant an apple seed and you want to make sure it's growing and you dig it up and then you plant it back and then you dig it up again to make sure and then, you know, the white book says all of these things are true. We have to work for them. Our own enlightened self-interest tells us this. I want to turn on people's light bulbs. I want to turn on their light switches. But I can't. I can only carry the message to them. They're the ones who have to turn the switch on. And leave it on. And so... It's my job just to go and offer, put it out there. I tell my story in kind of a unique way. We all tell our stories in unique ways. And each person needs to hear the story told in more than one way. We need more than one voice telling our story. Harvey says... And don't act out even if your ass is going to fall off. And Mike C. says, you got to have discipline in the meetings, and you got to have it this way, and this way, and this way, and this way. And, and Nicholas says, you've got to work the steps. Get your pencil. We're going to work them this weekend. And we all say, we're saying the same message, just a different way. And some people hear it one way, some people hear it another way. Some people go, oh. You know, AA says that it takes, I think, 21 people to tell somebody they're an alcoholic before they get to a meeting. So 20 people say, you know, I think you've got a problem with it. No, I don't, you know. Have you ever thought of, no, I don't need it. And the 21st person says, you know, I've heard that AKA is really a great place to go. And they say, you know, I think you're right. I'm going to try it. And that person leaves with, ah, look what I did. <laughs> no, I was just number 21. So... Uh, and God knows my ego is so big, I don't need to know what effect I'm having. But we need to hear it. The same message, different ways, again, again, again. I teach three ways. By example, by example, and by example.
All right, thank you, Dave. I feel privileged to be up here with you. Uh, my name is Dennis, and I'm a grateful recovering sexaholic. And I am grateful for Tradition 5 that says each group has but one primary purpose to carry its message to the sexaholic who still suffers. Uh, when I came in these rooms, I was, I was broken. I could not find relief, and I didn't have any hope. Um, I really was at a point where I wanted the suffering to stop. And uh, I tried every book out there. I tried different programs, discipline, everything you can imagine, and nothing worked. And the first time I was exposed to carrying the messages when I walked in those doors, and the guy who is my, still my sponsor today took me out to coffee, and he laid out a program of action. He laid it out, what I was going to do when I slide out of bed in the morning, what I'm going to do, I'm going to call, I'm going to read these things, I'm going to take these actions every day, I'm going to start working my step, and I'm going to call him every day. I'm going to report in. And I felt the effects immediately. I was just kind of blown away from that. As I started to, he gave me a prayer, and I had prayed ad nauseum, as they say. It never worked. He gave me a simple prayer. I was writing out my first step, and the compulsion hit from some early childhood abuse. And I always had to go and act out at that point. I said that simple prayer, and I felt like a wind hit me. And that was the first time I felt relief in probably 40 years because since 12 years old, I've been looking for an answer to get out of this. Um, I was exposed to this at a very young age, around three years old. really became aware at five what was happening. And um, so as I started working the program, started working the steps, I started having a spiritual awakening. And from that, somebody came and asked if I could sponsor them. So I went to my sponsor, and he said, absolutely do that. And that was my first, uh, I guess, attempt, or I shouldn't say it, but that was my first opportunity to start sponsoring. And what I found right away was this great deal of, like, responsibility, like somehow I have to have this message and I called another guy in the program that was very helpful to me. He said, Dennis, there's nothing you can say to this guy that's going to help him get sober, and there's nothing you can say that's going to cause him to lose his sobriety. He said, just live surrendered, pass it on, the program has been given to you. And what I found as I started to work the steps, started to have a spiritual awakening, and started to live a surrendered life, um, what I noticed is as different sponsees called, something was happening, and there was stuff coming out of me that wasn't from me. It wasn't my voice. Um, the, the knowledge and the wisdom wasn't from me. Sometimes it was me hearing it for the first time, too. And I really believe that was my higher power giving that person what they needed. And, you know, I've heard that, you know, the newcomer is the most important person. Uh, in order for me to keep what I have, I have to be able to give it away. Boy, I have found in this program that every single person in this program has been used by my higher power to give me exactly what I needed in that moment. Um, so I, it, the greatest gift I have is to live surrendered and to be used by my higher power, to share the message and whatever he would have for me to share at that moment. And what I've also found is there are times that I'm not well, and somebody calls, and I think, ah, man, they... And I'll go ahead and answer anyways. And it's amazing the healing effect that that person calling that God can still use a sexaholic like me regardless of the condition I'm in at that moment. Um, and by the grace of God, being available and ready to carry the message to any sexaholic who's out there uh, has kept me sober thus far, five and a half years so far. 
Um, the other ways I carry the message is through service work. I, I love service work. I love, we just did the sim. It was, a, it was a lot of work to get there, but what a blessing that was to actually take part in something like that. It gives me the opportunity to be around old timers to watch how they're doing it because I want what they have. And so for me, carrying the message is uh, really being surrendered and letting God use me in the way that he would have. So with that, I'll pass. And we'll open this up to questions now. We really need written questions, please. Just one side of the paper is enough. (laughs) All right. We have a question here, and I'll turn it over to Dave first. Can you speak a bit about the balance between attraction and promotion? I wish I knew. <laughs> uh, well, I'll, I'll tell you that I, um, I live in a small town, and we've had asset. I go to meetings in Oklahoma City an hour and a half away, and that's where I got sober. But about three different times, we've tried to start meetings in my town. And... We'll have four or five, and then six, and five, and four, and five, and three, and two, and one, and they'll fail. And I called my sponsor, and I said, David, I don't know. You know, if this is attraction, I must not have what people want. And he says, that sounds like my sponsor used to say, he says, David, I don't understand. He says, I've got... I've written a book on emotions anonymous. He said, I'm traveling all around making talks and everything. And and he says, I just, I don't know why, but we just can't get meetings started in Bozeman, Montana. They, they, you know, just, and I don't think it's just the sardine sandwiches I eat at the meeting. And his sponsor says, Jess, you're sober, aren't you? Yeah? Well, then it's working. Uh, I don't know. You know, I think, oh, attraction. But I do know that a smile attracts a lot more than a frown. Uh, Oh, God, I've got to go to a meeting. I choose to go to a meeting and see my friends. I get to go to a convention and see my friends. Um. There are ways of attracting. Uh, AA is an anonymous program. We are anonymous, but we can't be hidden or people can't find us. We've got PR uh, films now that you can download and take to your television station and say, would you play this 30-second short about SA. That's not advertising, that's saying, hey, we're here if you're in pain. Thank you, Dave. I think for me, the difference between promotion and attraction is, you know, when I first came in this program, I became a big book thumper. Um, And I studied that book inside and out, I did big book studies. Um, And I had a sponsor once tell me that, and this kind of helped me get there with attraction, is like, Dennis, I'm not asking you to be my sponsor because of your knowledge of the big book. 
I'm asking you to be my sponsor because of your relationship with your higher power. That's what I want. And so I realized that uh, for me, when every newcomer comes to that door, because I'm kind of a, you know, I think maybe people don't like me, is I know they could be like me when they walk in, is just show them love. Love them well until they can get in and start loving themselves. That's what I got. All right. Our next question is, what do you say to a sponsee who for a year can't stay sober more than a couple of weeks, who is going to meetings, making phone calls, and working steps? Do you ask him to find another sponsor? Do you encourage him to do more research and reach another bottom? Keep coming back? Question mark. I don't know why I'm sober. It's a gift from God. I guess I was exactly ready because I got sobriety day one and I haven't let go. And I work a hard program. But, you know, I see some other people who work a hard program. And every other convention I come to, they've lost their sobriety. Now, a few of them, I go, boy, I wish there was their sponsor. But, <laughs> but it wouldn't do any good. I can't. All I can do is love them. And I might talk to them. And there are things called check meetings. We have a nice brochure about check meetings. Maybe you do need a new sponsor. My sponsor says I can't fire anybody unless it's affecting my sobriety. But they maybe need a new sponsor. Maybe they need, uh, you know, if you're going, if you're going to, to Knoxville and you run out of gas halfway and you run to go to Knoxville, you run out of gas halfway, maybe you do need to put more gas in and go to more meetings or something. Maybe you need to go back out there. Everybody's different. On most of them, I call my sponsor and say, what do I do? Yep, me too. Um, I guess, you know, number one, I I have no power, right? I tell them I'm not your solution. I'm here to just pass on the steps to you. Um, If they truly are going to meetings, they're making phone calls, and they're working the steps, there's nothing more that I can do than just as long as they continue to work the steps. You know, whether I'm their sponsor or not, we always say, you know, call me sponsor or follow my suggestions, call me sponsor. If you don't, call me friend. Um, and I think they have to try and decide that for themselves on, you know, whether it's working for them. But one of the things I do like to do, because I always believe that if you don't have a thorough first step, you'll return to it. So I like to ask them, are you really ready to never take another lust drink again? Because really lust for me, once we get sober, has to be the next place is in the mind. I can't take a drink in the mind. And so I try and find out, are, are they still drinking somewheres? You know, are you still drinking? Um, the big one is, is, right, resentment is the number one offender. Are you holding on to a resent, resentment? If I have a resentment, my Activision in my brain turns on and I am start lusting. Uh, I can't afford to have resentment. So I may help walk them through and ask them, are, are, do they really want to be free from lust forever, never to take a drink again? Whether that's possible or not hasn't been for me. Um, but I'm sober and I'm in recovery. Um, and, uh, yeah, so 
and I had one other thing, but I can't remember it right now. So, but I, that's kind of what I do. I also sometimes have to get very specific yes. and say, okay, oh, you just looked at a little stuff. Did, did, you, did your underwear get just a little wet? Oh, well, I didn't act out. No, but maybe, you know. Uh, I have to ask specific questions. Um, it says, what is the prayer you say? And number two, what is, when is someone ready to sponsor? Is the prayer the one I gave? Okay. The, the prayer I, that my sponsor gave me from day one was, God, I am powerless over my lust, and I surrender my lust to you. I need your power. Please lend me your power just for today so that I will be done. That's, it worked. It, it's, and I knew at that moment, when I felt that relief for the first time in 40 years, I said, I don't ever have to do this again. And I, that's been my case as well, that since that day, I've been sober. Now, there's a couple of times, like five in the last five and a half years, where my insanity struck, and my best thinking was that I, I don't want to be in this program. I want to go out and live out there. Um, but I had enough recovery. I always say I work my recovery really hard when things are good. So when the moment of insanity hits, that low spot, that I have enough to just reach out. Because most times a prayer, you know, a temptation comes, you know, they just are like wispy smokes. But when the insanity strikes and I see something, I think, that's what I want. That's when I know I'm in trouble and I call. And by the grace of God, somebody in this fellowship, when a prayer wasn't enough, God used them to help me. All right. And the other one was, when is someone ready to sponsor? And I guess the easy question for that is, ask your sponsor. That's the best thing that I I would say would be for me. And usually, like for my sponsees, because um, I heard all you got to work the 12 steps, you have to do all these things. But it really is when you're having a spiritual awakening, you can see it. Guys sometimes with nine months to a year are just coming in, and I'm looking at them like, man, I want that too. They are just on fire. People start coming up to them because they want what that person has. And usually the common denominator is that guy's working his program hard. He's actually doing the work. Because, and I think that's the magic in this program is if I do the work, because I don't know how to get sober it just happens it's a miracle and, it, and it's nothing that i can do it's just something that you know at least in my experience if i do the work the rest will follow um i get just just two or three minutes to talk about this if you know there are countries where people where there are only two or three people in the country who are in the sexaholics problem. I was in Hungary, and I was there for the first meeting of the first Hungarian sexaholic. Now, in Slovenia, they have seven sexaholics. They're all beginners. They don't speak the language. You know, they they speak Slovakian or Slovenian. they all have sponsors from other countries, but it's a problem because their disease started in Slovenian, in their gut language, and they're trying to explain this pain 
in their head language of English. To somebody in Germany or Slovakia, in their head language in English, to understand the problem in their gut language in German or Slovakian. It's just not good. I told them, start sponsoring each other as soon as you've, you know, work together on your first step. Do your first steps and keep pushing each other. And if you're in a very small town, maybe I think it's better for beginners to have a face-to-face -face sponsor. I'd rather they had a face-to-face -face sponsor who has worked their first, second, and third step than somebody long distance. All right. Thank you, Dave. How do I carry the message if I cannot tell anyone I am a sexaholic? And that's a really good question. I'll just tell you from my own experience around this is that I don't think very well. Um, I think your story is really all you have. Um, I can tell you that I have a pretty darn high-profile job. I'm a professional. I've, I've been at my job. I'm very highly respected. I'd say three-quarters of our people know I'm a sexaholic. Um, when I go into another town, we did a bunch of work groups. The groups there, the guys there that were there, they, I, they know I'm a sexaholic. Um, and I'm not ashamed of it. Now, I'll make this caveat. Please don't go out and start telling people you're a sexaholic. Talk to your sponsors. Um, I had a, we were having a, a conference at a hotel, and two of the secretaries were going there, and they said, hey, Dennis, are you going to leave your wedding ring at home? And I said, no. You know what? I said, I, I used to really um, struggle with that, but I want to grow old with my wife. I want to hold her hand in the parks. I want a different life. And uh, after that, they learned that I was a sexaholic. And the difference now is if I walk around and they're looking at something, they go, oh, Donna, don't come over here. Don't come over here. Um, I'm not saying that's right for you. I would say talk to your sponsor. Be very maybe careful about that. But I don't have really that fear. Plus, I'm getting ready to retire, so... Um, but I think it's if I think that if, if you think that somebody my sponsor told it to me like this, and this may be a little Dennis, if you know, if you, you can't ask somebody about their sexaholism if you don't go first. Like if you're gonna get undressed, you gotta go first. You know. So I have on several occasions my all my pastors know I'm a sexaholic, counselors know I'm a sexaholic, a lot of people in the in, in the community know. So when they run into a sexaholic, they know who to call, who to send them to. And when I go to meet with that first-time person, I share my story. And sometimes they're not really sexaholics after they've heard my story or, you know, maybe they're going to try something because uh, – and I, I'm okay with that. I'm okay because guess what? I am a sexaholic. Um, I'm not ashamed of that. I'm really not. I think after my fifth step, all my shame went away on that. Um, I can't say that that's a smart thing to do, but that's just what I do. And uh, ask, talk to your sponsor about that first, though. I'll bet lots of people knew you were a sexaholic before you came into the program. Sylvia went, uh, I told her that a, a certain priest in my town was, uh, who, who's a longtime AA speaker, had been, uh, is, started an essay, and she says, 
I heard he started in SA. She says, Gene and I heard him talk about 10 years ago, and I said, he's a sexaholic. Yeah. We'll go into a restaurant and we'll say, oh, look at that, not that one or something. But oh, I can't talk about it. You know, I can't talk about recovery. Uh, I was a year in recovery and I wanted to say something at church, you know. I wanted an attaboy. And so I talked to my counselor and we said, you know, gee, I want to just celebrate that I've had just a great change in my life and my behavior that with with some some recovery uh, help and uh, accountability group I've got a year now I didn't say what now everybody knows that I'm in I'm in recovery I go on these workshops for recovery I'm doing I'm in 12 step programs and they half of them think I'm alcoholics I don't tell them different. Or, oh, you know, that's, 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 some of them, uh, they say, well, which one? I say, oh, well, you know about lust on the, and pornography on the internet and stuff? They go, oh, yeah. <laughs> and a few of them say, could I talk to you later? Everybody in my circle knows that I'm traveling around uh, doing 12-step workshops with recovering addicts. Mm -hmm. They don't care. No. Don't. Oh, we have one question in the back he can't write, so Hi. say it loud. Oh, that's right. Sorry. Hi, guys. Uh, I'm Yako. I'm a sexaholic. Hi, Yako. Hi. Uh, I actually have two questions. First of all, do we have a responsibility carrying a message to them, but I just wanted to know do we have a responsibility to that? Um, second question is um, sometimes when I deal with sponsees or other people in program and I give them my ESH, I sometimes feel a lot of pride and kind of want that recognition or just feel like I'm powerful because uh, I was able to carry that and it was something meaningful to them. I just want to know how you guys uh, suggest we deal with maybe the, uh, the pride that comes with carrying a positive. Good question. Okay, um, I'll carry. I'll do the second one first. Um, there's nothing more deadly than a lust drink than an ego drink for me, and that's what I have discovered. And so I get to work my program around that. Um, you know, when I if I'm going to speak or work with somebody, I always like off of page 420 off the big book. I I say, God, I'll take the next step and leave the results up to you, because really it's it's Him. And early on when I would show up and, and speak to somebody, and God would just pour out. I would want to take that glory, right? And they're like, oh, wow, that was really good. And, you know, I always tell the story. It's like I'm riding around on a little tricycle with this beautiful purple robe, and God comes up and says, hey, how you doing, Dennis? Very loving, very kind, non-judgment. You know whose robe that is? Yeah, it's okay. And I learned to let that go because I – and what it, I got to a point where I would say, well, to God be the glory, but I would touch it first, right? Because I want to take the little drink ego first. Then I would say, but to God be the glory. And God would come and say, that's if you touch that, I get none. It's okay, though, 
because I'm like a little infant growing, right? He's not going to shame me or, or beat me up or, you know. And, and now I truly, I know where it's coming from, and it's not from me. Um, and it's deadly for me to think that somehow um, I can take any credit for that. So it doesn't mean sometimes I am tempted to, but go ahead, Dave. Um, I have been given some gifts. That's a gift from God. How I use those gifts is my gift back to God. I am a storyteller. I'm, I am creative with strings because my creativity has blossomed in recovery. I constantly check with my sponsor and say, am, am, am I being egotistical to say, you know, I've been to all these places. And he says, you're giving credit to the program and to your recovery, and you're owning the fact that recovery works. Keep it up. As far as telling others about the program, I think every one of us should be taking a pamphlet about SA and maybe Essanon to our doctor, to our therapist, to our pastor. You can say, I picked this up someplace. Or you can say, if you've got any questions, you could send somebody to me. Every doctor, therapist, psychiatrist, everybody needs to have a pamphlet in their hand and you can give it to them. You're not divulging anything and all you have to say, you know, I've had a problem with pornography. Duh. All right. And we'll try and answer the, the last question is, do I have a responsibility to carry the message to non-sexaholics or people that may be struggling? Um, this is probably the Anon side. When I first got into the program, my sponsor, after about a week of working with me, said, Dennis, you're a double winner. And I said, what does that mean? He said, well, you're going to have to go to Al-Anon for your Ph.D. Um, S-Anon doesn't work because my wife and all of her friends are there. But so I started going to Al-Anon, and I realized that, my goodness, there are all these people talking about all this control and this and that. And, and I started lo- watching me, and I was a complete cult and control freak. And I learned in those meetings that unsolicited advice is criticism. And how many times have I tried to be helpful? Well, helpful is the sunny side of control. You know, so I learned that if I'm trying to fix another person, I'm really getting in the way of their higher power because I'm trying to be their solution and I can't be their solution. Um, doesn't mean that I can't be there and share some of my struggles, or if I recognize it, say, if you ever want to talk about it, I'd love to talk to you about it. But um, that's a good one for your sponsor. And, um, yeah. Do you want to have any more? Or keep going. All right. This is kind of on the same line. My son is a sexaholic, not yet willing to work a program. Any suggestions? Kind of the same. Our own enlightened self-interest must tell us this. Uh, my son is a sexaholic and called me and said his therapist suggested Sexaholics Anonymous. So uh, he's chosen to work it through his church and through an accountability partner yeah. um, with a spouse to give them an Essanon brochure 
Just say you might be interested and let go. To give a friend a brochure, hand it to him. I just, I don't want to be in your face, but here. And leave it go. I think the, the biggest part of this question is my son is a sexaholic and not yet willing, right? Pain is the great persuader. His bottom needs, to, he has to find his bottom. Um, if he's not re yet ready, I don't think there's, I know for me, I'll just speak for myself, there is nothing I can do as much as I love them and want to see them get well and not go through everything that I've had to go through. There's nothing I can do but love them and be, be there for them when they come up for air. There is one more thing you can do. Work the hell out of your program. Get sober so you are an example that they can see. My son has seen an example, so when it happened, he knew who to call. Yes. Yep. If, your son, if they're over 18, under 18, that's a different story. Yep. That's the only thing I can do for my family is give them one more day of sobriety, but I do it for me first because I don't want to go back to that horrific hell I was in. Um, what do you think of saying, carry the message in the meeting, talk to your sponsor about the mess? It's like we want to, you know, don't share the mess, sh share the message is, is the kind of thing. I went back and forth on this. Um, you know, we're there for the solution. We're not there for the drunkologues. But I've kind of switched a little bit because I think it's important sometimes, especially somebody that has a little bit of length of sobriety, to, for me, I like to, sh I like to lead with my weakness. If I'm doing really good, I love to share how wonderful this program is. And if I'm struggling and, not, and if I'm suffering, I think they need to hear that as well on the days I come in because they see that it, it's not all roses, that I have tough times. But they also watch and hear me work the program and then see what it's like getting out of that valley. So there's hope for there too. But, um, yeah, that's a tough one because when people share about their wives or share about, you know, other than themselves, it's hard. You know, I get to be real judgmental about that. But um, I think the best thing that I can do when that's happening is to – be an example, like Dave's saying here, that I just share the solution and keep focusing on that. You know, but I, I also believe that the mess needs to go to the sponsor and the message needs to be in the meetings because that's why we're there. We all know about the problem. We need to focus on the solution. That's it. Okay. Um, how do you share the message in your faith tradition service? I can tell you I have a sponsee that was so broken, didn't know what to do, and my sponsor was at the same faith tradition service, and the kid was so broken, he gets up in front of the whole church and tells everybody he's a sexaholic. So my sponsor walked up to him after the meeting and said, we got a program for you. And uh, he's never regretted it. In fact, it saved his life. How would I, I? I don't, and I guess if I was to share, I wouldn't share because I don't need to share with non-sexaholics. Um, but I do, if they, they ask, you know, I call it a lust recovery program because that's really what we're in. Um, you know, I'm, I struggle with lust. But I don't know. That's Dave. My first year, I didn't share much outside. You know, I, you need a little bit of sobriety and recovery before you share. But... Uh, you're sharing, you know, 
I go to any church, and if I hear the pastor talking about one day at a time, and this too shall pass, and I go, I wonder what 12-step program they're in. You know, how many people have you heard talking and that, and you, you can go up afterwards and say, are you a friend of Bill W.? And they either look at you like, what? And they go, yeah. Because it just exudes out of us. Those sayings come out. The way we handle things come out. And so if I'm living my program, how do I share the message? I get to meetings early. I come to meetings prepared, equipped with my helmet, my sword, my shield, whatever you want to call it. Even soccer players had protection a hundred years ago. And they wore it. And then what? 30 years ago, they started wearing helmets. Um, that was a joke. Uh, <laughs> uh, I come prepared. I say, anybody want to go to fellowship afterwards? Or are we going to fellowship before? I call people and say, you want to go to, you want to meet for dinner? If I'm traveling, I call ahead of time and contact Seiko or whatever and say, are there meetings in that town? And I go to those meetings. I'm sharing every single thing I do. I don't have to be a world traveler or a great speaker. When I'm sponsoring, I'm sharing. When I answer the phone, I'm sharing. If I answer and say, Thank you for calling. You know, I was working in the garden, and I just needed a break. Thank you for calling. You know, I'd laid down to rest, and I needed to get up because I've got to get some stuff done. Thank you, Dave. Me and my wife started, when we started to attend the first church, like the second service, I didn't know the pastor and walked up to him and said, hey, just if you ever have any guys that are struggling with pornography or sex addiction, I'm on a 12-step program. And he was very open to it and very happy and, in fact, has sent people our way. Our counselors, um, there are sex addiction counselors in our area. They know my sponsor. They know me. And they send people our way. So I think it's important with faith tradition, maybe not the congregation, but definitely that the, the pastor, because he's counseling people. And uh, most times, if it's, a sec if it's, like they say, a real sexaholic, they don't have the tools to even touch that. I know none, none of them ever did for me. So I needed SA. Well, that is all our questions. Does anybody have any other questions, something that came up they'd like to add on to that? Or we have about six minutes. Anybody with the, uncomfortable with the silence that would go ahead and ask a question now? No, I'm just kidding. Um, we can close her up then, I guess, unless you want to share some more ESH for us, Dave. <laughs> I love this program. I love recovery, and I don't like to see people hurt and hurting. Hurt people, hurt people. And so I will do anything I can. And 
I have been in the program for 29 years. I can't tell you how many newcomer meetings I have given my story at. How many people I have told my story to. Never once has it come back to bite me in the butt. Never once in all of my work in the public schools around the United States has a school said, we heard um, it would be bad. We can't have you come to our school because of that. I have had principals say, uh, I read on your website that you do uh, missionary work. We can't talk about God in the church. I say, oh, I would never tell a religious story. I do some uh, old world literature, though. Uh, there's a way to say anything you want to say. I can be in Walmart and get a call, and I can talk to somebody about their stuff. You know, I can't talk to you. I can talk to them. I stop and I say, okay, let's have a prayer. And I say the third step prayer with people on the phone while I'm in Walmart. I've never had anybody come, would you get that religious proof out of here? <laughs> we are so scared in recovery, but we were, we were just doing stuff in, in our disease. Yep. This is an anonymous program. Uh, anything you've heard at this program? Oh, it's your turn. That's your job. Okay. I just wanted to just add one thing that the greatest thing about hearing people's first steps or hearing stories in there, it gives me the permission to tell even the deeper stuff that I'm not willing to tell other than my sponsor. And the more that I'm willing to do that, the more healthier I'm getting. So, because I remember the first time I heard Dave in Anchorage, Alaska. I was shocked. <laughs> I thought, wow, okay, I can talk about that too then. <laughs> All right, anything you've heard at this meeting is strictly the opinion of the individual participant. The principles of SA are found in our 12 steps and 12 traditions. Let's close with, and I'll let Dave pick it. Third, third step Third prayer. step prayer, if we could. All right. Take a moment of silence for those who are still suffering, sick and suffering in and out of these rooms. And we'll uh, pray the third step prayer. Prayer. God, I offer myself to thee, to build with me, to do with me that I will.
Thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening, and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.